Hello, everybody, and welcome to my podcast. I am JR. You are listening to Three Things with JR. This is episode number 31. Sweet. Uh, I, this one's going to be uh, slightly different than the normal three things. Uh, there is no normal three things, as you may have gathered if you've listened up through all the episodes till now. Every episode, a little bit different than the others. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I have a guest. Sometimes that guest is a comedian. Sometimes that guest is my mom or my dad or my sister or my daughter. Uh, and uh, and sometimes it's my girlfriend's dad. Uh, Kiki, my girlfriend, uh, her parents came to visit this last week. They were here for several days, uh, Pam and Rick. And uh, Rick and I sat down here in my bedroom in the same room. This is the first time I've had a guest in the studio, quote unquote studio with me to record the podcast. And uh, we had a great discussion. I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Uh, I wasn't sure I was even going to air it. I knew I was going to record it because Rick is an interesting dude. I uh, enjoyed talking to him uh, and uh when they were here, he came out, to, uh, he played disc golf with me, or well, more accurately, he watched me play disc golf. He uh, was not really uh, trying to throw discs around the disc golf course, but he did show an interest in uh, hanging out, and uh, him and I got to talking about a bunch of different things, uh, but there's some things he's pretty passionate about, and it became clear that we should record this discussion, and sure enough, it ended up being so much fun uh, talking to Rick and learning. I, I have to say I learned a lot talking to Rick uh, uh, all week long and, of course, during the podcast rec episode recording uh, interview thing that we did. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm definitely putting it out. That's what you're about to listen to is, uh, is Rick Osborne and myself talking about a bunch of things, uh, but mainly money stuff, uh, economics. This is not... The type of thing, I don't think you're uh, tuning into three things with JR to hear uh, economic theories uh, about uh, how the uh, how the world could be better, how America could be better with different economic policy than we have right now. <laughs> what? Is that what you were thinking? Uh, it's not what I was thinking was ever going to be a topic on three things, but turned out to be such an illuminating conversation. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I think you'll enjoy it as well. We also talked about a podcast that we're both listening to now that's pretty cool and uh, exercise and stuff like that. And he's passionate about all of these things and uh, had a really fun time talking with Rick. Um, you know, this uh, this podcast is slowly growing. I love talking to you guys about numbers. Uh, and if I'm looking at the numbers right now, uh, total plays, uh, according to Anchor, which is the company that I use, the website that I use that hosts this podcast, uh, Anchor is that place. So uh, you can find my podcast on anchor.fm slash jr-stoffel. That's me, anchor.fm slash jr-stoffel. Of course, if you wait for, <coughs> excuse me, if you wait for uh, me to uh, post that a new episode is up on podcast, you already know that. That's the link that I give you is the link to the episode on anchor.fm. Uh, and if you go to the page for my podcast, uh, there is a place where you can support the podcast and you can also drop me messages. That might be the coolest place if you want to actually uh, interact with me somehow regarding three things with JR. That's a cool place to do it. You can message me right there. 
that has yet to happen. But uh, anyway, back to total plays. Uh, total plays were up to 625 total plays. And uh, what <laughs> all that really means is that this is the combined total number of times your podcast episodes have been streamed or downloaded across all listening platforms. Note that plays may be included in this total before they are reflected in your charts. Okay, so that's uh, fine print. So 625 people have hit play on at least one of my episodes on any of the potential streaming platforms. Uh, that feels good. I don't know. Uh, that's probably not uh, big numbers when compared to other podcasts, but for... Uh, for me, I've only and ever really promoted this uh, individually. I'm talking to people and telling them about it as well as on Facebook. I haven't really done it with anything else. Uh, so uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out if I want to promote it or spend any money promoting it. I don't know. Uh, estimated audience size, according to Anchor. And what this means is the average number of plays each of your episodes gets within 30 days after publishing. Uh, and that number is much lower. Uh, that's 24 people. So, uh, an anchor does pay you for your podcast. I do an anchor ad. It's the same ad for the most part. And all these episodes I recorded it a while ago, I drop it in the middle of the episode and anchor pays me a little bit for that. So I've made $5 and 63 cents doing this podcast, which, uh, that's a win. That's a big win to be able to get paid to do this anything uh, at all. I mean, for the most part, I would pay to do it. So uh, the fact that they are giving me some money is pretty cool. Uh, looking at deeper numbers here, uh, it's interesting always for me to see where people are listening. We've added a few more countries to the list. Singapore and the United Kingdom are now on the list. Uh, there are people in those countries in addition to all the others. France, Portugal, Germany, India, El Salvador, Japan, Ireland, and of course, 94% of my audience is right here in the United States. So uh, we are going worldwide uh, at a very snail's pace. So, uh, But it is happening, and that brings me joy. Uh, and I was, uh, as I was... Um, Today, I was responding to an email to my dad, uh, and it caused me to think, uh, what is the purpose of this podcast? Uh, what, what am I doing this for? Uh, and uh, one of the reasons I was thinking that is because at some point or another, both my mother and my father have been very unhappy with things uh, that I have or that someone has said on my podcast. And uh, that always bums me out. I'd like making my parents happy. Um, but if I'm really thinking about the main goal of this podcast, it's probably not to make a show that is tailored to my parents. Uh, it's probably to make the show I feel like making each week. And that is different each week. Uh, and it's what's on my mind. It's what I'm interested in doing. It's who I'm interested in talking to. And I uh, I don't want there to be necessarily, uh, uh, you know, a... I don't want it to be pigeonholed into sort of one thing. I don't want to be felt like there's, uh, uh, you know, any restrictions on what I might say or do. I kind of want to be free to say and do whatever I want within reason, of course. Uh, I, but uh, anyway, mom, dad, if you're listening to this episode uh, and dad may not be, he has told me he's never going to listen again. Uh, I have a feeling he is, but uh, at the at least a few weeks ago, he was not super thrilled um, with the goings on on this podcast. But I really do hope the parents keep listening. But uh, again, it's not exactly 
for you, mom and dad. But if you get joy out of it, then awesome. That does also make me happy. Um, my mom, uh, we did a, a Mother's Day episode honoring my mother. We also did one for my dad. But my Mother's Day episode was, up until recently, the most listened to episode of this show. Uh, and that has now been surpassed by uh, our episode with uh, Mark Connor. Uh, local celebrity and dear friend Mark Sparky Connor's episode is now the most listened to, although that may be very soon surpassed by the very next episode, uh, the uh, number exp- episode number 30, A Day at the Lake, where I uh, spent some time talking with my daughter Allison. So uh, that one's almost there. It's almost beating Sparky's episode. And uh, I, I love that the numbers are going up. I love that you're listening. I hope that you're getting some joy out of this. And I also hope you enjoy my interview with Rick Osborne. You've never heard of him, but uh, you will have now if you keep listening to this. Uh, It was a lot of fun, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, here we go. All right, we're recording. Everything you say from here on out can be used against you on a podcast. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to do like an intro recording later. So we'll, I'll do like all of that where I tell people kind of basically who you are and uh, why I am and why you are, <laughs> why, why you are. Um, but we'll do a little bit of that here as well. Uh, okay. So uh, so uh, Rick Osborne is my guest on the show today. Hi, Adam. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rick typically lives in Illinois, but is here visiting Virginia. Why are you here? My my lovely daughter is your uh, better half. And, That's right. Uh, we came out to uh, see Kiki. So, yep. Well, Kiki, yep. my girlfriend. Uh, we live here, and uh, Rick and his wife Pam. You you guys drove all the way out here in one the, day. All, all in one day. Now, normally you don't do that, right? Normally no. you stay over. <laughs> yep. COVID changes everything. COVID changes everything. So, your willingness to uh, put the the full day of driving in as opposed to uh, having a break. <clears throat> we forgot the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No hotel. Uh, did you have any COVID issues or anything while traveling? No, my wife talked about it a lot, but yeah. <laughs> Were you saying. nervous at like the gas station pumping gas and nah, stuff like that? Nah, nah, no. I don't get too nervous about much of anything. I'm a, I'm a lot like Kiki. Yeah. Okay. So she doesn't get too nervous about too much of anything. No, and she's uh she's not really into wearing masks. Yeah, that's for sure. I'm more willing to wear a mask than Kiki is. So. So uh, you're not quite as anti-mask <laughs> as Geek. Not quite as anti-mask, no. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, you're a little bit older. You're a little bit more vulnerable, right? If something were to happen, it could be more of a serious issue. And I'm more of an anti-Trump guy than she is. Well, there you go. I have a, I have a bit that I do in my comedy routine sometimes uh, where I talk about how I've evolved throughout this uh, whole pandemic. Uh, I went from being completely uh, against the idea of wearing a mask for a long time until I, I finally had to start wearing one. And uh, and then I was still resistant to it, still only <laughs> wore them when I absolutely had to. Uh, but at the time and still Trump is Trump is very anti-mask. He's like very you know nonchalant about it. And uh, it was one of the only things I've ever agreed with Trump about was like, ah, we hate wearing masks. We don't think we really need them. And uh, so there for like, a you know, a tiny little. Red hot second, I was considering 
voting for Trump so that we wouldn't have to wear masks. Like that was the major issue that affected my life directly was uh, was wearing masks. And so I considered voting for Trump until I remember that he's the same guy that told us all that if we drink gasoline, it will improve our sperm count. And I was like, no, no, we can't well, this do that. Is, this is the guy that I decided early on that everything that comes out of his mouth is false. As simple as that. It's pretty if, much. If yeah. he says up, it's down. If he says black, it's white. Yeah. If it, it, whatever he says is lie. So this I just said not that, true. I just said that Trump said if you drink gasoline, it'll improve your sperm count. And you didn't bat an eye. You just figure he said that. Right. I just made that up. He didn't say that. He. Yeah, I know he said uh, take uh, lysine, Lysol for your COVID, and uh, yeah. I, I, I was hoping they'd pump a gallon of it in. So when I while do that, he was in the hospital, when I do that joke in uh, in a comedy show, I yeah. uh, I say I point out that hey, you guys thought that he really said that, didn't you? <laughs> he did not say that. He's perfectly capable of saying that. He did not say that yet. That's that's the that's true. That's where I get the laugh it's right coming. there. Right. Yeah. And it works whether they are a Trump crowd or a not Trump crowd or a mixed crowd. Everybody can kind of laugh at that. Everybody knows he's a goofball. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It seems like the Trump supporters, they one thing in their favor is they have a pretty good sense of humor. They kind of have to with their nut brain leader, right? Because uh, if you don't have a sense of humor, then you have to take it seriously, and then it becomes scary. And if you're not taking it seriously, and if you're able to look at it all with a sense of humor— then, I don't know, that's kind of scary, too, for those of us that both take it seriously and have a sense of humor all at the same time. I lost my sense of humor over him a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so Rick is here, and uh, I have a podcast, and we thought, well, heck, why not? Uh, I enjoy sitting around hanging and talking with Rick uh, about lots of things. Um, Rick is uh, uh, he's very passionate about a couple things, so uh, we're going to talk about some things, and that's the whole show is three things. So... Uh, hopefully Rick is ready for all three. Uh, thing number one, as uh, as you, and you've listened to a few of my episodes of the show, so you yep. kind of get kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes on my show, it's just me. I'm just sitting here. I write down some stuff that I want to talk about, and then it's kind of ad lib. I don't write a script out, at least not usually. Sometimes I do, but it's usually just me talking about whatever's on my mind. Sometimes I'll have a guest and I'll record with them virtually, you know, using Zoom or whatever. Uh, Trump, Trump reads his. Oh, yeah, that that other people write. <laughs> that other people write. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If Trump is speaking eloquently, he's reading something somebody else wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Even so then he's not eloquent. So, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, so sometimes I'll have guests on, uh, and we'll do it virtually. Sometimes, like uh, in the, the other day, I recorded with my daughter, uh, and we recorded live uh, outside. Uh, you know, all that. So. Uh, what do we there's no like necessarily like a, a running theme of topics on this show. It could literally be anything. Um, so I could have a comedian on. We could be talking jokes. Uh, I could have my daughter on. We could be talking about her being a mom. Uh, I had my dad on. We talked about arguing about Trump and Facebook and all lives matter and black lives matter. And uh, and it can go. This show can go really dirty. Because uh, it's there's a podcast, there's no rules, right? So we can say whatever we want, and sometimes we do. Uh, and can other I, can I say dirty? Absolutely, dirty. Yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want, Rick. <laughs> Fucking dirty. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so sometimes we go really dirty, uh, and sometimes it stays 100 percent clean. And so it's uh, I it, can say clean as well. You can say clean. Fucking clean. Fucking clean. Okay. I like it. I like you, Rick. <laughs> there's I, I, there's a reason I like your daughter too. 
So, uh, she's pretty good reason. Yeah. 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 She's a walking reason. Yeah. Yeah. She's 100% great. So, mm-hmm. uh, so this topic that I know we're going to be talking about, because we've kind of been talking about it all week uh, since you guys have been here, is not something any of my listeners are going to be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense that he's talking about that. <laughs> this is not something that I would even occur to me to discuss. Uh, I'm not a money guy or anything like that. So we're going to get into thing number one, which is something kind of deep or personal, something that is important to you. And I'm just going to let you take over here, and I want you to tell me, uh, the you know the, the summary or whatever of of this thing that we've been talking about that is important to you because clearly it is and I want you to get right up on that mic and give it to us. Uh, tell me what it is that we're going to talk about here. Yeah, what um, uh, what we have been talking about, Adam, is a a concept that is known as as binary economics. Binary economics. Binary economics. Uh, so we're talking about economics. Okay. Uh, and the problem that uh, uh, binary economics uh, <clears throat> looks to address is, uh, is the problem of concentrated wealth. When you have 1% of the population, uh, a, a mere handful of people that own more wealth than 90% of the American population, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> you have concentrated wealth. And yep. that, is, that is a cancer so we and we've had that for a while, but it has been getting it has worse been and getting worse, far worse, and uh, it's gotten far worse under Trump. And we've all been made aware of how much worse it's been getting, thanks a lot to Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders made it his main issue in yeah. 2016, uh, but but actually it preceded him with the uh, the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement, which gave us the that made the term one percent part of our political vocabulary. Yeah, got now it. everybody realizes that there is 1% of, of the American population that is is basically controlling and owning uh, Congress, Senate, and the presidency. That is not a democracy. You cannot have a democracy when the economy is so concentrated in the hands of a few people at the expense of everybody else, and that's the issue that Bernie Sanders has been looking to address that so many people are have caught on to Bernie about. Uh, but this this looks to address the same issue, but in a different way. Bernie dr- addresses it in what is commonly known as a socialistic way mm-hmm. from a government standpoint, uh, top-down standpoint. This, yep. this addresses it in, in a capitalistic, private ownership sort of way. It accomplishes everything that Bernie wants to accomplish and more, but it does it in a free market, uh, individualistic private ownership orientation to the economy. So you're talking about a solution to that whole 1% thing that Absolutely. top down. Absolutely. We're talking about how to, how, to, how to make America a democracy. Instead of how to make America great, let's make it a democracy. We, we tell everybody we're is, democracy, but we're bullshitting everybody to get dirty. It's what it's supposed to be. And what it's supposed to be. What we're supposed to be proud of, what we're fighting for, what we go overseas and put our lives on the line for. We don't go over there to put our lives on the line for a bunch of damn billionaires who are stealing from the people right and left, which is what is going on right now. If that's what we we have, why would anybody salute the flag? Why would anybody pledge allegiance to America if we're just a bunch of billionaires that's that's controlling everybody? That is not what we are about. If if we're not a democracy or looking to find some way to get to be a democracy, we we have nothing over anybody else. There's this American exceptionalism is sure bullshit. And you are familiar with a solution, a potential solution 
It's not in place yet. Doesn't exist yet. But the idea, the idea exists. The idea exists, the but it's exist. not something that is can happen yet. Some things have. What is this thing? You, uh, you are you, you're involved with it somehow. I'm, right? I'm involved with a group called the Center for Economic and Social Justice. The website is cesj.org. And uh, I have been in and around this organization for the past 20 years, and they uh, uh, are proponents of a concept uh, that uh, has actually been known for the past 19 years as uh, uh, capital homesteading. The, uh, the concept is being rebranded as economic democracy. Okay. Uh, and the, uh, uh, the whole idea is basically uh, to, uh, well, let's recognize that uh, over the past 40 years, uh, salaries and wages have pretty much stagnated. On the other hand, uh, ownership, the ownership side of the economy, owning stocks, bonds, land, machines, copyrights, technology, et cetera, et cetera, has exploded. Most of the, most of the wealth that is being produced in the economy today is not being produced on the working side of the economy. It's being produced on the ownership side of the economy, yet only about 10% of the people have any significant access to that ownership side, and, and it's the 1% that controls most of that. So, And, and by, by ownership, you're talking about the people that own companies. Uh, that, own that companies, kind of, own stocks and bonds, okay. own land, own uh, 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 patents, copyrights, technologies, uh, anything that is a wealth-producing capital asset where you have money working for you instead of you working for the money so we're talking about the difference between you and me are both working for money right we, we, we are we are both hourly work. salaried we are working for somebody else the job we do earns us a salary or wage and we the get paid for the, the term work that we is do. sometimes used is wage slaves you and i are both wage slaves sure yeah yeah that's who we are. And that is one side of the coin. On the other side, the ownership side. Is where uh, the money has been made. If you own a company uh, or if you own stocks. Let's or, put it this way. Uh, uh, Mitt Romney has never had a job in his entire life. Bain he Capital. Just, he just, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, 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 George Bush, George W. Bush has never owned had a job in his life. He could never go to another Donald office. Trump never take another never business had, phone call. Never talk to another business and still associate. still have tons of money. And, and, and not only will he just have enough money to live, he, has, he will continue making money because his money is working for you him. You got it. You got it. That's the that's, other side of the coin from the wage that's slaves. That's the ownership side. Okay. That's the ownership. The ownership side doesn't work. They just own. And your plan or the plan of the, uh, the Center for Economic and Social Justice, did I get that right? You got it right. Sweet. And, uh, the, and the act is called the, what was the Capital Homesteading Act, now it's going to be called the uh, uh, Economic Democracy Act. The Economic Democracy Act is a bit of federal legislation that has to get passed. Proposed. It's proposed right now. Yeah. Uh, and if it were to ever become law, then the solution you guys uh, have been envisioning for almost 20 years now could come to fruition. What is the idea? How, what would it be? The, the basic idea is to recognize, first off, that on the average, the American economy grows at a, approximately $4 trillion annually. So it creates $4 trillion worth of new wealth, predictably, okay. every year. Uh, the other thing is to recognize that there are approximately 330 million people in the country today. So if you divide 4 trillion by 330 million, that averages out to about $12,000 for every man, woman, child in the USA today. Okay. And the proposal 
that uh, uh, capital homesteading slash economic democracy uh, suggests is to give every man, woman, and child in the country today access to a, uh, a capital homesteading or economic democracy loan, capital credit loan that can be used only to buy wealth-producing capital assets, to buy stocks, to buy bonds, to buy land, to buy machines, to buy technology, to buy copyrights, to buy patents, to buy, buy access to things that are going to predictably produce dividends. And not only, uh, 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 so you're going to get this loan of $12,000, but when it, you, you get this loan and it is paid off, not with your personal savings, not by putting a second uh, income or a second mortgage on your home, it is paid off by future dividends that the, the stock or bonds or whatever it is is going to yield. And, and it's the, the loan, by the way, is being made at 0%, and it's paid back in pre-tax dollars, paid off in pre-tax dollars, which speeds up the ownership process dramatically. Yep. So it's somewhere between three and seven years is the payoff time. After the, after the payoff is made and you own the, the capital asset outright, you, it start, it's still producing dividends that becomes residual or passive income to you for so for example if at age uh, you the thing we're put together today and uh, a, a kid turns 10 years old uh, by the time he's 10 years old you would he would have approximately $120,000 having been invested on his behalf so that's 10 times $12,000 $120,000 that would have been produced on his behalf and and would be producing oh. dividends that passive income that would be going into his uh, capital homesteading economic democracy account. Okay. By the time by the time he reaches eighteen and wants to go to college, uh, they have the kid is going to have well in, in excess of over two hundred thousand dollars having having been invested on his behalf, producing lots more dividends. Which is to say that every kid in the United States would have plenty of money to go to college. And he wouldn't have to borrow any money. He wouldn't have to chase down any loans, any grants, any scholarships. He would have the money to do what he wants to do. So you've explained this to me three times now. <laughs> and this is not what I spend my time thinking about at all. My mind doesn't work in this realm, right? And it is by now, it's, you've explained it very well three times in a row. And it is just now that it's really starting to sink in. So... I think the way I, I want to sort of uh, paraphrase it back to you. Please. To see if I understand what you're saying. That would help. Be, uh, be good. And hopefully this will help anybody in my audience yeah. uh, who, who needs it, like me, explain more than once. Uh, and so let's say this uh, in the future, this legislation gets passed. Yeah. Right. It gets passed and it's going to start January 1, whatever year, 2025. Right. Uh, every man, woman and child in America uh, will probably uh, have to go to a website and register for this, right? Yep. yep. Uh, some will, some won't, but everybody can. Every everybody. So every everybody that has any interest in, yeah. in having why wouldn't economic you? prosperity uh, would I, absolutely do it. Uh, so every adult and then every adult on behalf of their kid yep. uh, or kids yep. uh, can register for each person. So a four-person family. Would be forty eight thousand dollars annually. I can do some basic math. Yeah. 
Right. That's about. Don't do yeah. any. And, don't Don't test me again on that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and, and then in ten years, it's four hundred eighty thousand dollars for the family. So we go to this website. We register. The government loans us money, mm-hmm. and it's not actual cash put into an account. It's no. the same as all other money right now. It's virtual money, right? It's a credit card. It's a credit card. It's a loan. And it is capital credit as opposed to consumer credit. Consumer credit is what you buy beer with. Capital credit is what you buy capital assets with. Okay. And and it comes, generally speaking, it comes at a much lower interest rate. With consumer credit, they charge you an arm and a leg. 26%. Whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, capital credit, it's, it's low interest that is paid off in a predictable way that starts producing uh, dividends that eventually become okay. uh, residual income for you and your daughter. And so, her. So, so this thing becomes law. It happens. I go, I'm a, a, you know, I don't have kids right now or of my own or anything like that. So I'm going to go and register just me. Uh, I'm going to register and there's going to be $12,000. And now what do I do? I think based on what we've talked about this week, I'm going to go figure out some the, way to with, invest that money. With the help of your local banker, who will, who will give you some sound advice and steer you towards conservative uh, investments that will predictably pay off. So this is not money that I'm free to invest however I want Absolutely to. not. I just, get that I can't just go buy stuff with it. No, right? I can't go buy, buy a car or, or anything like that. producing capital assets. A, a, a car deteriorates. It doesn't right. depreciate. It, it deteriorates. Could I buy a house with it? Or put a down payment on a house. You could with buy it. a building with it. You might be able to buy a house with it. Yeah, you might be able to. So, I mean, the obvious thing that I could do with that money is invest in the stock market, like a low risk mutual fund type of a situation, right? Absolutely. Where I'm not necessarily picking and choosing a hundred companies in which to invest, but I'm choosing uh, a trustworthy investment firm predictable to, to yeah to come up be with a, a low risk a low risk uh uh you know long term playing the long game here mm-hmm. uh invest that twelve thousand dollars or whatever part of it into that uh and then so that's going to now become uh money making money money making money exactly right? and so as that money makes more money uh it pays off the loan pays which was the, the twelve thousand dollars that was put in my account once that loan is paid off it's still producing dividends. So do I get a new loan every year? Every year. So that's a new loan every year. That a new has loan to be paid every off. year that is paid back at 0% interest in pre-tax dollars that pays off quickly, okay. relatively quickly. And, and again, by the time you hit college age, you got money to go to college. By the time you hit retirement age, guess what? You don't need Social Security. You don't need Medicare. Yeah. You don't need the social safety net. Done correctly, this, this eliminates the, the need for the social uh, uh, safety net because everybody has enough money to pay the damn bills. And so uh, there's – I could invest and it, it. Creates, and it creates no debt, uh, Adam. <laughs> Excuse me. I was like, wait, what? It creates no debt. No individual debt, no government debt. As a matter of fact, what it does create is millions and millions of more taxpayers who will be paying lots lots more in the way of taxes, high, high, lower rate because you're diluting the, the the So this would count once your money is earning money and you're paying taxes on. And you've paid off the loan, and now you're into dividends, you pay taxes you on pay that. You pay taxes on it and you have lots more people who are capable of paying taxes as opposed to gaining so, getting so, welfare. So my two and a half year old granddaughter would be paying taxes. <laughs> once once the once the dividends start kicking in, you're right. paying 
paying, yeah, yeah, capital gains. But so, and you said that's an on average five to seven years. So she's two and a half now. This this happened tomorrow. By the time she's uh, nine or ten, yeah. she's uh, she could that be first, taxes. That first twelve thousand sure. dollars will have been paid off at least, and yeah. now there's money yeah. going into an account into, that into is account. hers. That's hers. That literally she could spend it however she wants. Wherever she wants. She could go buy beer with it. Maybe not she at ten. She could go buy beer. But with I mean, you could do that. This is yes. free money. It's not yes. free money, it's but it's passi- money that it's is passi- yours. It's passive income. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it's going to go to people who are going to be. Uh, financially literate because of it, and they they will become much more responsible because of it. Uh, we will have much less insecurity, uh, 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 creating people with that are much more sane uh, and not having to worry about whether they're going to be able yeah. to feed their kids, put a roof over their kids' head, and put clothes on their back, give them an education, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because they're going to have enough money sure. to do the things they need to do. So I think I get the program now. Uh, I understand it. There's one, I think I'm going to say major aspect of it that I still, and I do not think we can get me uh, the knowledge I need to understand this tonight, but I'll just throw it out there. But we've got you enough knowledge that you're intrigued. Uh, Absolutely. I'm in favor of it. I love the idea of it. Uh, And uh, what I would do personally, before we get to this part, I still don't understand. Um, But what I would do as far as investing that money is I want I don't know. I don't have the the brain power to sit there and figure out investments and stuff. I like the idea of putting it all into a low to medium risk thing that just makes money. I don't want to think about it. Uh, and and and, mo- and most people don't. And that's what I do with my four hundred one k now. I just yeah. I I sometimes I can remember my password so I can go look at it and see how much money there is and is it going up or is it going down. That's about it. Once every year or so, I might look at it. I don't want to think about it. Uh, and so that's just how I am. And I think a lot of people are not going to be into like, oh, now I got to figure out investments and I need to take a class on that. No, it doesn't sound like you have to. You don't for have this to. to work. You don't have to. You, but you, if you, you do work in conjunction with a local banker that is going to give you good advice. How does the banker get paid? Uh, there is there is a percentage that that makes that that is that pays the bank to, to handle this kind of stuff. So. Yeah. It wouldn't be as, would that be like a, maybe it's not a zero interest loan, but maybe there's a, it's a 1% interest. I mean, how does, like, where does that money go? Like, do I got to come up with it? Yeah. Uh, it, it is part of the insurance actually. Okay. Yeah. Cause this loan is insured. I mean, it's, 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 it's a loan that, and anything can go bad. Uh, even, even Amazon has been recently, uh, uh, What's his name? Uh, Bezos. 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 Says, says that Amazon's going to go broke one of these days. So He's been saying that since the very beginning. Has he really? And he's the richest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I... Uh, he lost half of his money to his ex-wife, and now they are the two richest people on the planet. Yeah, well... And Amazon's cutting costs, saving pennies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Okay, let's talk about... Uh, and again, I don't think we can go all the way into this, but... When you say there's, there's a website that does go all the way into it. Okay. CESJ.org. CESJ.org. We're going to do that again here when we're done with thing one. Uh, but the part that I still don't understand is we started off by saying the economy grows by four trillion dollars a year. Exactly. On average. So I don't even know what that means. Like, I get that there is an economy. It's the buying and selling the uh, all of the stuff that happens with money. Right. Uh, so if we counted 
everything that's bought and sold in one year. Is that what you mean yeah. when, by that? New homes, new cars, new electronics equipment, Beer, all kinds of new, stocks. I mean, that all, includes all everything. Of, everything right? is, it, it grows. It creates four trillion dollars of new wealth predictably, and and currently only about ten percent of the population gets to take advantage so, of this so, very predictable uh, so growth. You, you lost me at it creates new wealth. I don't understand that. So if, the economy if, itself. If grows. there's four trillion dollars worth of stuff. In a normal year, not yep. 2020, in a normal year yeah. that's bought and sold, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And then the next year, more stuff is bought and sold. Every, every year, the economy grows. Naturally. Well, where does that money come from? From new work, new new products, new new sales, new activity in the economy. Everything that happens in the economy is when you, when you sell a uh, a computer at at Crutchfield. Crutchfield, yeah. Uh, you pay pay X amount for it. You sell it for Y. There's there's new there's new money that's created right there. Yeah, but that money came from somebody else's pocket. It, it's not like there's more money in the world now. That's true. So where it's not like uh, I remember learning in school. Is it called the gold standard? Where it used to be that every dollar was backed up by a chunk of gold somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I know that we don't do that anymore. No. And is that the reason that this is possible? If that were still the case. Again, this is my feeble economic brain trying to understand this yeah, concept. Yeah. If uh, if we still had the gold standard, if there was still a, a bit of gold backing up every gold. dollar, could the economy grow by four trillion, or would we need to get more gold for that to happen? Yeah, well, it's not even close to to the gold standard. But what? But you but you still have things that are are predictably worth something. Okay. Uh, uh, so it, it's the, the corporation as it grows, uh, Cutchfield. Yeah. As it grows, uh, it may be worth 100 million this year. It may be worth 110 million next year. Okay. It's grown. It's created 10 million dollars of, of. But of that's wealth. because a million people bought stuff from us, and so those people don't have that money anymore. They have a new home theater system, right? And we have the money, but the money, the amount of money that's in the world didn't change. It just changed hands. That's that's true, and I'm not going to be able to explain this very well. See, that's what I, I didn't think we were going to get to a point where I understand that. I think we're at like college level economics class that I have zero desire to take. <laughs> Even now, as intrigued as I am with this idea, uh, I don't think I'm going to fully understand how the basic fundamentals of modern economics works. Uh, I wish I could explain it to you better. I, you know, it, I, it, it is no, uh, it, it's no nothing off. Nothing against you for not being it. This is me. This is my brain. No, it's a uh, two-way street. I, I just don't think in these circles. So uh, uh, so let's give the website again and the name of the stuff, and we'll finish. We'll wrap up thing number one here. So what was the website again, and what's it all called? And it's the Center for Economic and Social Justice, CESJ.org, and the act is going to be called the, instead of the Capital Homesteading Act, it will be called the uh, Economics Democracy Act. The and Economics it, Democracy and, Act. And you can find that act written I mean, to, in detail on the website. So it is all ready to go to Congress, to the Senate, and ready for president to sign. And if, if Trump really wanted to make America great again, nah. he, would, he, would, uh, he, would, he would pass this bill. Uh, he would promote this bill. But he doesn't. He's just bullshitting. So that's so, not going to happen. Uh, so do people can, uh, other than going to this website to find out about this, is there action people can take? 
uh, actions people that people can take to help this move along? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, that the original book that was written in 1958, by the way, so 60 years ago, was called <clears throat> the Capitalist Manifesto. Okay. And it was written by a lawyer by the name of Louis Kelso, and a professional. I gotta say, anytime the word manifesto is used, it seems like it's a bad thing. But this is—it it seems like you're a, going somewhere else. It's with just this. simply a play on Marx's communist manifesto. It's yeah. the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, cool. And the other, the co-author was the premier Aristotelian philosopher in the world. The guy's name is Mortimer Adler, University of Chicago, father of the great books movement. He's no dummy. Uh, and those two guys wrote the Capitalist Manifesto in 1958. So the idea has been out there for a long time. Uh, the result of the writing of that was the passing of the legislation for ESOPs, the uh, Employee Stock Ownership uh, uh, legislation that did pass uh, in the 70s, I believe. And uh, uh, it created the opportunity for employee ownership companies to start up and there are, are somewhere between eight to nine thousand of those in the country today and employee uh, owned companies employee owned companies and, where and not, they do where the company's not owned by a bunch of stockholders it's not owned by one person it's owned by the employees that work at the company yes got it yes and and they and, do they do in 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 economic hard times they do much better than the conventional autocratic dictatorship that most corporations are sure because everybody is paid basically to pull in the same direction at the same time toward the same goal uh, in a way that the uh, 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 corporate dictatorship is not in a corporate dictatorship you have the uh, management versus labor you have a reason for a labor union because the because the management is trying to suck every penny it can get out of labor so uh, on the other hand the labor is trying to suck every penny it can get out of management it's a zero t sum deal but with an employee-owned company it pays everybody because everybody's an owner it's an ownership union basically it pays everybody to pull in the same direction at the same time toward the same goals because when the company wins everybody wins systematically wins and not that, not just the bloodsuckers at the top. And when the company loses, everybody loses, not just the little guys at the bottom. And so under those conditions, it puts incentives in a, in a place where it pays everybody to pull in the same direction at the same yeah. time. When that happens, you have a company that is much more efficient than a company that is working against itself when in a labor con conventional labor versus management union kind of uh, situation. Did we answer the question, Do is there something people can do right now about yes. it? I'm sorry. Uh, number one, you can check out the Capitalist Manifesto. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, there is a book entitled The Capital Homesteading. It's uh, just called Capital Homesteading by Dr. Norm Curland, who is the president of CESJ. It's, a, it's an excellent book. And actually, there are several books on the, on the website that you could check out. But yeah, the, you can find out about this in, in detail. And the website itself is an encyclopedia when it comes to this concept. <coughs> that, that is a, uh, a concept that is so, long overdue. So other than educating themselves, there's not really much anybody can do quite yet. Like there's no legislation that's actually moving through Congress No, but yet, it wouldn't hurt a damn thing to call your senator ah. and your, your House of Representatives and say check into the Economic Democracy Act. Uh, uh, on the website, and if you really want to make America great again and pay off all the incredible debt that we have uh, encountered over the past four decades, uh, this this thing has the possibility of the only possibility of paying off the national debt. There's no other way it's going to happen. Yeah. 
So not only does it pay off the national debt, uh, it, it lowers everybody's taxes because it creates so many more tax, tax people who are paying taxes. It is a win, 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 win for everybody except for the damn autocrat who likes the 1%. Owning sure. and controlling everything. That, yeah, I get why they wouldn't like it. What I what I haven't figured out yet. I feel like I'm in the honeymoon phase of understanding this idea, but there it, it seems like there has to be a downside. It it seems maybe a too good to be true situation, but that's just again me maybe being a little bit skeptical of things in general. Uh, so uh, and again, I don't think we can get all the way there. We're going to be here for two hours look, tonight. Look, look at where we are now. <laughs> How could we go and be doing much worse? That's true. Uh, understood. At, at least let's check out a new idea. That's the right place to end thing number one. Give the website one more time. CESJ.org. And thing number one is typically something that we're passionate about. And I'm not sure I've ever had a guest on this show more passionate about an idea that was <laughs> discussed on this podcast than Rick was just now. Uh, we're going to change gears here in a second. We'll come back with thing two uh, in a minute. Uh, but uh, that's the end of thing one. And uh, we'll go to a drum solo. We'll be back in a second. All right, we are back, uh, and we've got uh, we're gonna we're not gonna deal with pol or, uh, not po yeah we're, fuck politics, <laughs> fuck economics. We're not doing any of that stuff the rest of the show. Uh, that was all covered in thing number one. Now we are here to talk about something you know pop culture related. There's music, there's podcasts, there's books, there's all sorts of things that could be inspiring us. And uh, Rick, what is inspiring you right now? I am binging Adam on a podcast. A podcast. A podcast. This three is it called Three Things with Jr. Is that the podcast that is? <laughs> it is called Philosophize This. Oh, so not my podcast. It is not put your podcast. <laughs> not, uh, uh, so I, the I may be binging on that after this, but I have been binging on Stephen West and okay. Philosophize This, uh, and it basically is a history of uh, of philosophy, starting with the pre-Socratics, mm -hmm. uh, on into Socrates, Plato. Aristotle, uh, Augustine, Aquinas, Descartes, Kant, Hegel, Marx, etc., etc., etc. And it is the beauty of it is yeah. Because we got, I'm gonna stop you there because I know what you're about to say, and you need to say it soon because we may have just lost everybody. Uh, a philosophy podcast. This sounds awful, right? That was my first thought. I don't think I'm into that. I've listened. I was wrong. And the reason uh, why it's why you might be wrong about that is what is that it is done in plain English. You will understand this if you if you listen to it. This is complicated stuff translated into plain English. Joe Lunchbucket yeah. English. Uh, and it is wonderfully done. And, it, and it's the genius of it is that it's taken very complicated, very important stuff, by the way, and translated into plain English. English and it is really, really, really well done. As a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say that it is a missing link in American education today. I you agree. don't, you do not get access to philosophy at, in high school. 
You don't even get it in college unless you go looking for it. And if you go looking for it, it's back in a in a closet someplace. They're hiding it because you don't walk away from college with a six-figure income and with a philosophy degree. But it is incredibly important stuff, and it would it would change the way that our education functions. It is critical thinking in a way that nothing else is. It is truly critical thing. We talk about teaching critical thinking, yeah. but there is no such thing as critical thinking in a way that uh, that philosophy does it. And when you're talking Socrates, when you're talking Plato, when you're talking Aristotle, uh, it is critical thinking. And again, plain English. That, it is the same a, level that you and I are talking right now. Maybe even plainer. <laughs> maybe <laughs> very, not. Very I just said possible. plainer. I'm not sure he would say that. <laughs> Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you mentioned this day one when you guys arrived here in Virginia as we started talking about podcasts. We started talking about you being on this podcast and we started talking about Philosophize This. Uh, that night, I uh, put it on my list of podcasts that I follow on Spotify and started listening. I listened to the entire first episode. There's somewhere in the neighborhood neighborhood of 150 episodes to listen to, yep. uh, which is why you're binging this podcast. Uh, and it is absolutely right. Uh, it is. Uh, it seems like on the surface, like something a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh no, I'm not interested in learning about Socrates." Uh, and try it once, right? But you'll be hooked. Uh, it, it's rare that somebody's going to explain Socrates while using an Applebee's analogy, and he does that. Uh, that's what he means by uh, plain English. He really does put it in today's terms. Uh, he uses uh, colloquialisms, uh, modern language. Uh, the language of the kids even sometimes, right? He really does. He, he says like a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, even when he doesn't mean similar to. Like, like, what do you mean? Rick? Like, yes. Like, <laughs> like, like this, like that. Yeah, no, he absolutely talks like a normal person. He does, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and if you're interested in thought and how people think and why people think the way they do, uh, it's very interesting. And uh, I listening to the first episode, uh, it's not the kind of show I'm going to go back and listen again. I didn't take notes. I don't remember everything he said, but I remember bits and pieces. Uh, I understand more about why people think the way they do, why they th the pre-Socratic method, that actually means something to me now. I know what that means. Uh, I had no, I've never heard that term before, uh, but it's all of the philosophers that came before Socrates and how they understood how we think and how things are. Uh, the world. Yeah, the world. And and Socrates changed everything, apparently, uh, which is why we all know his name, even if we don't know what he said or what he did. Uh, this show can help you understand that. So, so yeah, uh, I want to just, I want to talk about my evolution of things I've listened to. Uh, for many, many years, pretty much all I listened to was like the Howard Stern show, uh, <laughs> which is, is this will take you a step up. This is a different thing. Uh, and I'm still a Howard fan. I'm not a hater in any way. I've just sort of I've gotten a little bit bored. It's the, basically the same stuff all the time. He does great interviews. I still will listen to those, but I'm not interested in hearing all of the other stuff because it's the same stuff every day. Uh, and so I have a huge list of podcasts that I'm listening to. So any given day or any given commute to or from work, I'm listening to comedians talk about comedy. I'm listening to NPR news. I'm listening to game shows. I'm listening to shows about music. Uh, and now I, sometimes I'm listening to a show about philosophy. And uh, one, of, one of the one of the podcasts that I suggested you listen to was the one on laughter. Yeah. Oh, what uh, is laughter? 
I am very. That, Why do we do it? And the beauty of this, you don't have to listen to it in order. It's not a serial. It's not a narrative. It's each individual show is. Yeah, it's a standalone episode. Yep. Uh, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely going to go find the episode on why people laugh and understanding the philosophy. It'll be easy to find because it's the last one. It's the most recent one? Yes. Yeah, nice. So I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i listened to the first one, and I'm now going to go listen to the <laughs> yeah. last one. Yeah. And then I'll go find other ones in the middle of that that I'm interested in as well. It's so. terrific stuff. Good stuff, Rick. That's exactly the kind of stuff I'm looking for in thing number two, things that are uh, inspiring us uh, that we want to share, kind of like a recommendation on steroids. Uh, Philosophize this. Philosophize this. Stephen uh, the, West. Stephen West, and it's avail- I found it right on Spotify. It was super easy to find. Uh, it's probably available anywhere you listen to podcasts. I don't know what Spotify is, but I found it on my on my you're, iPhone. You're listening to it on Apple Podcasts. Okay, <laughs> whatever it is. Which is the way everybody used to listen to podcasts, okay, okay. and now everybody listens to them on Spotify, uh, which is just a different music and podcast playing app. All right, we should move on to thing number three. Uh, and uh, I had nothing written down. I had no notes. I was not, I'm not ready. I don't have a silly, absurd, stupid, crazy thing to talk about for thing three. However, Rick assures me he does. So <laughs> take it away. Okay, well, the thing that I would uh, uh, throw out to you is that um, uh, my wife and I have a, a formula for uh, pushing off old age. A formula and for the, pushing the, the, off and, old and age. The, the, the concept is basically you find something that old folks can't do, and then you never stop doing it. And in our case, what we have found... Wait, let me make sure I understand. Mm-hmm. You find something old people cannot can, do? Cannot do. And then you don't stop doing it. And you never stop doing it. So like before you get old? Yeah, before you get old. Okay. And, and then you never stop doing it. Okay. In, our, in our case, my wife and I like to run wind sprints. Okay. I, I turned 74 two weeks ago. My Congratulations. Wife, thank you. My wife will turn 72 in January. Okay. Uh, and our favorite thing to do, and we do it about every other week, is to go up to a local college, uh, College of DuPage in Glen Ellen, Illinois, and they have a soccer complex that has three soccer fields sitting in a row. And it's, so it's one big, huge extent of grass, yeah. well-kept grass. We kick our shoes off, and we do... Wind sprints, 100, 100 to 120 yard wind sprints, and we'll do eight or ten of those, resting in between. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that that is our workout. And we we wouldn't impress anybody with a stopwatch, but if you put a heart rate monitor, I guarantee you that we would impress. You would you would see that uh, two old folks would get up to 160, 170 beats per minute, uh, and hold it there for half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, with this wind sprint routine uh and and we do it barefoot why, uh, why do you do it barefoot because it's so damn much fun uh, yeah. uh barefoot in the grass is a massage a foot massage that just feels wonderful uh you can run a little faster because you you're not carrying any any weight on the feet um and uh, uh when i would say this when when we go run barefoot sprints in the grass we're no longer septuagenarians we're 17 years old (laughs) i am 17 when i'm running those barefoot sprints in the grass you and pam just giggling across the soccer field we we rip it all the way across the soccer field and we have a terrific time and and actually sometimes we we run sprints on the on local forest preserve but but the the best time is when we're barefoot in the grass so well, you're right. That is silly and absurd. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, you guys are doing that. We, uh, we do it on a regular basis. I have to confess that two weeks ago, 
uh, I pushed a little too hard and I strained my left hamstring. Uh -oh. So I have been for the past two weeks having a, I cannot take a full stride. Uh, although this morning I came pretty close to it on, on the grass barefoot at Kiki's place. Ah, uh, and, uh, uh, so I'm going to, I'm getting back, uh, so, slowly. But. So all I got to do to live a longer, healthier life is every two weeks go run 12 rim sprints we, 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 barefoot. We, we do that. We do the sprints three times. <laughs> I do three times a week. Pam oh, runs, three Pam, times a week. Pam okay. runs long, but we, we, we do the barefoot edition of it yeah. couple, once every other week, probably. Okay. Uh, and, uh, uh, as long as we can run those wind sprints. Uh, I'm going to sit there and tell you I'm not really an old man. Well, I believe it. Uh, as passionate as you are and full of life as you are, uh, I 100% believe it. Uh, and, Rick, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, that was fun. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I got to say, uh, I was uh, nice. not sure how this was going to fit in to Three Things with JR because we don't typically talk economics and, <laughs> or philosophy and, and wind sprints and philosophy exactly uh i, I did actually a, so uh, if there's anybody still listening to this it's uh it's smart people so uh people that are interested in learning and everybody can be smart absolutely everybody can be smart all you got to do is know that you're there you can and if you give yourself access to the right stuff you are you're a lot smarter than you think you are so if you're still listening to this pat yourself on the back i thank you wholeheartedly for you listening to three things with jr tell your friends about the show support us follow us uh and uh spread the word because i think we've got some cool things going on here rick once again thank you for being my guest Thanks, today Adam. and we'll finish this thing with one last drum solo have a wonderful day <laughs>